Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 107. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you are listening to Life Over Coffee. The title of this podcast is, What is the Balanced Christian Life? We have a lot of conversations uh, within our Mastermind program, our students who are going through our two-year school program. They're learning how to disciple, and of course, with that, There's a lot to understand about an individual that you are discipling. And so in this podcast, I want to unpack a person, all of us. I've titled it, What is the Balanced Christian Life? And what I've done is that when you assess an individual, you are looking to uh, unpack and discern three broad categories so that you can know their story better. And I've created a visual aid in this podcast. It's in the show notes, and I would encourage you, if you have the time, go to rickthomas.net. Look for episode 107, What is the Balanced Christian Life? And you can get this graphic, you can look at it, and it will help you to understand people better, help you to understand yourself better. Our discipleship is not just behavioral, we hope that we would be able to cooperate with God as he changes people behaviorally. But we also know that there are more parts to, or there are more aspects to an individual than what you see. And so in this Balanced Christian Life graphic, I have three different spheres. One of those spheres is the skill level, the behavioral level, what you see, what we do, our function, our practice in life. But there's also a knowledge level, an education aspect. And then there is a spiritual sphere as well. Now, I'm going to talk about that in just a few moments. I have show notes here that has this graphic, and then there is a skeletal outline of everything that I'm going to share with you. So if you are into discipleship, I would really encourage you to listen to the rest of this podcast Go to our website, rickthomas.net, get episode 107 and pull up this graphic. It will help you. But before I get into that, I I just want to uh, mention a couple of folks that have written in, a few folks. We get emails all along every day. We receive emails, and I want to acknowledge some of these folks who were expressing gratitude for what the Lord is doing in their lives through this ministry. Ashley wrote in and said, thank you for all your help. I am a Christian counselor. And I find your resources amazing. I'm hoping I can attend uh, your mastermind program one day. And you may be able to do that, Ashley. Would love to chat with you about it. Our mastermind program, our two-year education course, is for any Christian. Uh, Ashley's a Christian counselor, and that would be fantastic. It is potential, possible for her to become a biblically certified counselor through our program, but it's not just for those who want to do formalized counseling. I was talking with Mary a couple of days ago who was inquiring about our program, and she said, "I, I don't believe God's calling me to be a formalized biblical counselor, but I do want to learn how to disciple myself and disciple others more effectively, and I'm looking into your program, well, it's perfect for you too, Mary. For those that just want to do informal discipleship, sitting in a coffee shop, talking to people, working through soul problems, it would be great. If you are a Christian 
and you are into soul care, discipling other people, uh, we will train you up the best we can up to your gifting, whatever your gifting may be. I don't know where that will go with each student, but we do want to cooperate with God that way as well and help the student to grow up into discipleship and to be as effective as they possibly can, whether it's formal counseling, and you may have a counseling ministry of some sort in a church, or whether it's informal counseling where you're just a wonderful small group leader and church member who is helping people. But Ashley, thank you so much for your note. I appreciate you expressing gratitude. And then Carrie wrote in and said, I've started listening to your podcast and I'm learning a lot. God is creating a new person in me and may you be greatly blessed for being a blessing to so many women like me. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for that kind note and you are welcome. And then Angie wrote in and said, I really appreciate all that I have learned from your ministry. Thank you for sharing that note, Angie. Tyler said, God has used Rick's ministry in our lives with tremendous impact. And of course, he went on to say, I want to be a part of it. And I want to do that by supporting, which is what he is doing. So Tyler, thank you so much. We do want people supporting our ministry and I appreciate Tyler doing it. And if you want to support our ministry, you can learn how to do that by going to our website, and it would be a huge help. We do produce a lot of content, and by the way, Penny wrote in and said, I can't keep up with all the content that you produce, and I told her, I think it's important for folks to understand that we, we do not produce content for you to keep up with the content. That is not the point. And so I, I don't want anyone to try to keep up. And so I told Penny, I said, don't try to keep up. I don't want folks to keep up with the amount of content that we put out. It is not a good practice because our minds can only retain so much. And there is no way that you could retain all the information that we put out on a weekly basis. And it would really defeat the purpose as far as your sanctification is concerned. I went on and told Penny, our site is a sanctification center. And I put those two words in quotes that you walk into so you can pick and choose what you need. It's like a grocery store. You don't keep up with the stockers stocking the shelves. You use the store for what you need. It should never be a one-to-one -one ratio where you have to read or listen to everything as it comes out. We'll continue stocking the shelves and you select what you need when you need it. That's what I, that's what I told her. And so please don't, if you're one of those people, a perfectionist maybe, where you have to keep up with everything that we're doing, I th you will find yourself not only discouraged, but you may even quit the process. But, but also, you, you will not be able to learn that way. That's not, you don't learn by continuously sitting under a fire hose, and our content is like a fire hose. So don't do that. It's a sanctification center, and so you walk into it and you 
pick out what you want, what you need in the moment. We have a search box. We have, I will continue to fill up the, I will continue to stock the shelves, but you only get what you need. Don't try to eat everything in the store or to eat as fast as we are stocking the shelves. That would that would be a discouraging process. Penny also asked, uh, what's the deal with you speaking? Do you do public speaking? How, how does that work? Yes, I do, and all you have to do is ask. Just ask. Send me an email and say, would you consider speaking for our organization, to our group, to our church? And I would love to consider that. We're currently working on our 2018 schedule, have been for a few months now, and you can get in on 2018 if you like, so just send an email and say, what's the process? But I would love to speak. I, I love public speaking, and if you th believe that I can serve your uh, group or church, please let me know, and, and we'll be, be able to talk through that. All right, so episode 107, What is the Balanced Christian Life?, go get this infographic and look at it and use it. And then there's also the show notes here. So I, I broke it, it out, and there's probably other ways to do this, by the way. This is just one way. And so I, I've broken the person out into three categories, the spiritual person, the educated person, and the skilled person, or the, the practical function person. The spiritual person, that is the most inner part of our being, primarily what you are looking for in the spiritual person is his or her understanding and relation. What is their relationship like with God? This is the first area that you want to discern because it is the area that is at the heart. We know that all of our behaviors come from our heart. So as you are assessing a person's behavior, you want to tie that as much as you can discern. Now, I realize that this is object, uh, subjective, that nobody can know the heart and see the heart with precision the way that God does, but we can discern a person's heart, and that's why I'm doing this podcast, because I want to teach how to look beyond the surface of an individual's life. And so when you're thinking about the spiritual person, let me give you some subcategories here. On this graphic, I have three circles, three big circles. One is spiritual, one is knowledge, one is skill. Under the spiritual, I have these subcategories just to flesh out this idea of spiritual. Wisdom, love, heart, character, integrity, honesty, moral, purity, affection, passion, motive, maturity, intention, and thoughts. Those are some of the words that cluster under this idea of spiritual. Now that will help you as you think about these words that you can now filter the person through these words and get somewhat of an idea of their spirituality. Here's a sample question that you can ask when you're trying to discern the individual that you want to help. Are you a person of integrity. That is a good spiritually centered question that you can ask about the person. Now, to assess this, you can listen for clues, for example, about how their conscience processes the things that they do 
And at what level do they experience guilt? A person of integrity, there's an honest factor to a person of integrity, and when they do wrong, they should feel conviction, guilt, that should be discernible. And if the person is an individual of integrity, you will be able to perceive how their conscience is processing the things that they do wrong. At what level do they experience guilt? Does their conscience accuse them biblically? For example, when you do wrong, are you being accused? So a parent, parenting, you have your child. When your child does wrong, do they, does their conscience accuse them when their conscience should accuse them? That will give you an idea of the spiritual person. Or is their conscience supersensitive, oversensitive? It, it over-accuses them. You have a lot, this is really common with adults who were reared in authoritarian, dictatorial type context, whether that was a, their parents or one of the parents were that way, or maybe they were in a religious system that was very authoritarian, and after a while, uh, they became hypersensitive about all kinds of things that they should not be sensitive to. But again, you can discern that, and when you discern that about an individual, the person that you're talking to, you will be able to somewhat get a handle on how they are doing spiritually, what is going on inside of them, essential information. So does their conscience accuse them biblically, or do they have a supersensitive conscience where it over-accuses them? Another question you can ask, does their conscience excuse what they do biblically? Or they do not feel guilt for obvious things that they should feel guilt for. Now, this is the opposite. So as you are talking to a person and they tell you something that they did but don't express any kind of guilt or conviction for it, well, that gives you insight into their inner being. This language of accuse and excuse comes right out of Romans 2, 14 and 15, talking about the Gentiles who do not have the law do the things that are contained in the law. Their consciences, meanwhile, excuse or accuse them, and that's why I'm using those two words of accuse and excuse to get an idea of a person's integrity what is going on in the inner person. You are listening to and observing the inner person as you think through all the categories under this heading. I mentioned some of these categories. Well, wisdom, love, heart, character. I've been focusing on integrity, honesty, moral, purity, affection, passion, motive, maturity, intentions, and thoughts. How has their relationship with God worked out at the level of their heart? Because again, Christ said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so you can tie their words and tie their behaviors to this inner person. So this first big sphere is the spiritual sphere. Now you can create a whole list of questions. I, I just work with the integrity piece. 
but you can take the wisdom piece. Uh, sometimes I'm asked, what are some of the things that you look for to try to discern if a person is born again, if they are regenerate? Well, wisdom is one of those things. Do they have a limit? elimination. <laughs> Do they have illumination from the Holy Spirit that gives them wisdom is something that you can look for. Affection. Do they have affection for God? Is God important to them and, and they're stirred up from an affectionate kind of way when they think about God? Godly affections. Do they have passion? their motives, their love. And so these are some of the things that you can discern. Again, it's subjective analysis. You will never know in totality or objectively because, again, we can't know the heart. But there are indicators. It's not that we are totally in the dark. The Bible is the world's greatest psychology book, Psyche Logos, the word concerning the soul. And so as you begin to bring application of the word of God to a person's soul, you will get to know them in a better way. So the first sphere that you're looking at the inner sphere, the most inner sphere, is the spiritual person. And then the second sphere in this graphic is the educated person. Now, that's different from their spirituality. I'm asking in this question, what do they know? Some of the subcategories under this idea of the knowledge sphere, intellect, education, IQ, cognitive insight, analysis, understanding. I just did uh, went through a list with my daughter this morning where she was asking questions about her analytical ability. Well, each child has, or each person has an analytical ability. One will be better than the other at it, but this is not their spiritual being, but this is their knowledge area, intellect, education. And some people, the people, people will be different here. Everybody will not be the same. And when I talk about the educated person, this query that you're making about them does not necessarily mean how intellectually smart they are. You, you are not looking necessarily for cultural academic excellence. You're looking for theological excellence. It's not about whether they have a PhD or a GED. The relevant question is, do they, what do they know about God? That's what you're really asking when it comes to education. Now, definitely, a person with a greater intellect or a person who has had more academic training or a person with a higher IQ could be able to process theology at a deeper level, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they know God well or they know God better than the person with a GED. Mark 8.36 says what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his life? I was counseling a, a Mensa student, candidate, a number of years ago. He had an extremely high IQ, but he was tangled up in knots. You would say he was an educated man as far as cultural academic excellence is concerned, 
but his theological excellence as far as um, knowing God, it was it was not that great. And there are people who are not nearly as smart as he is academically, but yet their knowledge of God is far greater. So when I'm talking about the educated person, academic education can help you to know God better, but that's not a prerequisite to know God better. And so as you are discerning their theological understanding of God, you began to explore their knowledge of the Word of God. Because it faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when you're looking at the educated man in the context of how I'm laying it out here, the education is in the Word of God. What do they know about their Bible? There are many grandmas and grandpas out there who know more about the Bible than some of the most sophisticated and academically educated people in the world today. I would say grandma and grandpa is an educated person. They're educated theologically, and that's what you want to know. And so the question is, what is the breadth and width of their Bible knowledge? When you're trying to help someone, you're discipling someone, you want to take a measure of that. You want to assess that. What do they know? How have they been educated in the Bible? Hopefully, how have they used their intellect, their education, their IQ, their cognitive ability, their insight, their analytical ability, and their understanding? Those are the subcategories for knowledge here in this sphere. How have they used all of those things to become educated in the main thing, the Bible. Another question that you can ask trying to discern this is do they know how to make Bible transitions? Can they take the Word of God from the concept or principle stage and transition it to the functional practical phase? That is hugely essential because, again, you could be educated in the Bible, but you're not really educated as far as wisdom is concerned because you're not transitioning from what you know to what you do. Some people are not, they haven't been trained that way. They're not smart that way. They're not educated that way. Christ was the master at taking the word and making it real. He could read the word and make those transitions. And that was the question that that I asked. Do they know how to make Bible transitions from what they know to what they do. And by the way, it seems like the majority of Christians do not know how to do this for whatever reasons. Now, their spiritual person is what will fuel that. Wisdom, love, heart, character, integrity, honesty, moral, purity, affection, passion, motive, maturity, intentions, and thoughts. If those things are lacking, then the education that they have in the Bible will be lacking as well. Can the individual draw the truth from the Word and tell you what it means to them in real and practical ways? For example, how does the Word of God function correctly in the context of their home life? These are things that you're asking of a person that you're trying to unpack. Do they understand these things? And so we have the spiritual sphere We have the knowledge sphere, which is primarily the knowledge of the Word of God, but more than that, are they smart enough to know how to transition from Word of God to practice? And that leads into the third sphere, which is the skilled person. 
Now, the categories under the skilled person are application, practice, behavior, ability, modeling, process, method, will, and then, of course, the fruit of the Spirit are all under the uh, skill sphere. And I would encourage you to get this graphic called The Balanced Christian Life, which has these three spheres laid out for you, these explanatory notes that I'm going through right now. And so the skilled person, this is where the rubber meets the road as far as the real application of the Word of God is concerned. A general lack of application will more times than not be the reason they give you as to why they are seeking help. They will come to you saying, I don't know how to. I'm having this trouble with. We're having a marriage problem, a parenting problem, a personal problem, a situational difficulty. That's why they will come to you for help, for discipleship care. It will be a lack of skill. But you want to back up and begin to address their education, their knowledge as it pertains to the Word of God. Do they understand the Bible? What is their breadth and width of the Bible? But then you want to go deeper and address their character, integrity, wisdom issues as well. The skilled person has not practically applied the Word of God to their lives, and thus that's why they are having problems. Now, be warned here, you cannot take an exclusive behavioral approach to soul care. And I think most people know that. Soul care is more than a two-step process, put off, put on, as Paul said in Ephesians 4, 22 and 24. Verse 23, right in the middle, says you renew the spirit of their mind. And so you have to do more than put off bad behavior and put on a better behavior. You have to dig deeper and broader into who they are. There'll be much work to do in teaching a person how to apply the Word of God first to themselves and then to the people who are directly in their lives. And so as you look at this graphic here, this is episode 107, What is the Balanced Christian Life? As you look at this graphic, you will notice that there are several subcategories that I've mentioned to you under each main category because what I want you to do is to get a thorough under thorough understanding of what does the skilled person mean, the knowledge aspect mean, and the spiritual sphere. What does it mean? And I want you to think through each one of those three spheres and all of the subcategories that are under them, and then begin to pray for the folks that you serve, asking God to show you how you can use these ideas and how you can see them playing out in their lives, and then ask God to give you the wisdom to be able to instruct them into a better way of living. The spiritual person is the inner man, the heart, the conscience, who they are, and the most critical part of this is how each of these categories are connected to and influenced by their relationship or lack of relationship with God. The educated person is their theology, their understanding of God. Is the person you are helping the man or the is he a man or a, or she a woman of the word? And then the skilled person is their application of theology, their practical or functional theology day to day. How is that working out? So the balanced Christian life is the key. 
And that should be the goal for all of us. We want to work in all three of these areas, the spiritual, the knowledge, the education, and the practice. Paul would be an excellent example of a healthy, stable Christian. While the Pharisees might have excelled in education, knowing the Bible, but they kind of stuck at application. And of course, the spiritual side reeked to high heaven because they rejected God. They were unregenerate. But then you take the lady with two copper coins. She may have been weak as far as understanding a lot of the Bible, but she excelled in her simple understanding and practice of the gospel because of her spiritual person was off the chart. She had passion and integrity and character. So I hope this helps. If I can answer any questions that you may have about this podcast, The Balanced Christian Life, or any of our other podcasts, please ask. And you can go on our forums. We have public forums for our non-supporting members and private forums for our supporting members. Go on whichever one works for you and ask your question. And we'll be glad to interact with you and try to help you to walk through these things. This is important information. We want to think deeply and broadly about the people within our care. And so use this graphic. You're welcome to share it with your friends. Let them see it. Walk them through it. Teach it to them. And and I trust that it will help make your relationships more robust as you seek to serve God together. Thanks so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.